This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. Reading from Exodus chapter 14, I am kind of piggybacking a little bit off what was preached on Sunday night, or at least I got the message from what was preached on Sunday night, but I think it's okay. We can probably preach the same message over and over and get a different result, amen? Amen. But it is a little bit different, Uh, but Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to jump around a little bit, but we'll do verses 10 through 12, and then we'll jump over to 15 verse 1, but Exodus 14... Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we die, that we should die in the wilderness. Then we'll jump over to verse or chapter fifteen, verse one. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach for a little while on the title of the message, Singing a Different Tune. Singing a Different Tune. Brother Larson, could you stand and pray for the message messenger today? Thank you, Lord, for this time to come and... Uh meet with you in your holy house. We, uh, we pray that the uh, pastor filled with the Holy Spirit and that you uh, give him an unction that he might preach your word and that you open our hearts that we might receive it and that when we go home today we take that same word with us and that it changes our hearts, changes our lives. We pray this in the name of your son Jesus Christ. Singing a different tune, or singing to a different tune. This phrase means that after an event, a person may change their opinion about the situation. Now we spoke about last Sunday night in Seattle, uh, when Pastor Keckle made mention of the children of Israel and the song that they sang once they made it across the Red Sea. But they weren't singing the same song. Mere hours before, were they? We read there in chapter 14, this uh, song that, and they weren't necessarily singing it, but we're saying their attitude, the words that were proceeding out of their mouth, they were singing something different, they were acting something completely different on one side of the Red Sea than they were on the other. But something had caused them to begin to sing a different tune. To act differently. To change their mind on what they were thinking of on the other side. Let's look at Israel and the old song. 
Now Israel was brought into Egypt by God through Joseph to preserve them during a time of great famine. Read about that in Genesis. And when they arrived, Joseph, with the permission of the Pharaoh at the time, gave the children of Israel a good chunk of land, a good well-watered land, a precious part of Egypt. And this small family of 70 or so people grew into a mighty nation of at least 600,000 men, according to Exodus 12 and 37. That's just men who could march on foot. That include the women and children. Some commentators said once you added the women and children and all that, they easily reached over a million or more people. So to go from 70 people to over a million or so people in a span of 400 and something years is a mighty testimony of God. They entered Egypt tired, worn, and hungry. Jacob, a man of many miles, had been reunited. Had been, let me rephrase that. Jacob, a man of many miles, was there with a reunited family. And they entered into Egypt with a song of praise. They entered Egypt. What a song of praise. Jacob saying, I thought my son had died. I thought my other sons were all rebellious. But now here we are. One family, family of God coming together once again. A wonderful song. But this song of Jacob would not last long after his death. Exodus 1 and 8 tells us, Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. So Joseph had died. Jacob had died. Uh, Joseph's brethren had already passed on also. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Let least they multiply, and it come to pass that when they have falleth out any war, that they join also unto our enemy and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they were built for Pharaoh treasured cities, Python and Ramses. What happened here? This new Pharaoh that rose up in Egypt knew not knew, uh, the blessings that God had bestowed upon him through Jacob and through Joseph. It was Joseph who told Pharaoh of Egypt to store up for seven days of good, seven years. A plenty because there's going to be seven years of famine. It was God that saved Egypt. It was God that saved Jacob and his family. But this Pharaoh knew not Joseph. And he said, These children of Israel, they're multiplying, and now they now outnumber us. Let's put them into slavery. And that wasn't all them put, being put into slavery. They were also having all the male babies born amongst the children of Israel killed there in Exodus 1 and 16. So Israel began to sing a new song. It wasn't joyous. It was a song of sadness and pain. It was a song of burden and trouble. They truly were singing the blues. 
These were the songs of the blues. Not some guy singing that his dog left him and his wife left him and his truck broke down. Compared to what the children of Israel are facing, the blues singers had nothing on them. Now we can say that by God's mercy and grace, we have never had to face such opposition and oppression like that the children of Israel did. And I'm glad. I'm glad we haven't. I'm glad that uh, as believers we haven't been uh, enslaved and mistreated in, in any way. Like I said, just because some political figure gets up and says that they want to outlaw the Bible or they want to uh, tax churches and do it, that's not persecution by them saying it. Well, no persecution when they're coming in here to drag us out. But as of right now, we are free to serve our God. We are free to serve God. And they would really have a fight, to, you know, if they wanted to try that on us. Because there are way too many Christians in this country. And hopefully that there will be many more. As we go out and tell men and women about Jesus Christ. That more men and women will stand up for the cause of Christ. But we have never faced this oppression like the children of Israel. But we did have a similar song. And this song is a song that Satan enjoys. He loves the song that mankind sings. The song of bound men and women in sin. The song of sin. The sinner's song is interesting. If you listen to the song of the sinner, it's quite interesting. First it's fast, then it's slow. Then it's up, then it's down. It's filled with cursing and hatred. It is filthy and ungodly. It is prideful. It is a song of riotous living. It was the only song that we knew. It's funny, you see some people for one moment, they're out there happy and laughing. Next thing you know, they're screaming and breaking all sorts of stuff. I saw a guy freak out at Walmart yesterday. I don't know, something about a cell phone or whatever. They couldn't help him. So he took a cell phone. He smashed it down in there in the electronics department. And he took a shopping bag and hit one of the structural poles. And then, and then he calmed down for a second. And then he's walking away. And he got mad again. They were telling him to leave. And then he calmed down again. Up and down. That's the song of a sinner. Someone not in their right mind. Someone that doesn't have true joy and happiness. Right. Yes, we may have small times of us being down and we have we are bothered by things as believers but it doesn't last long because we go to Jesus because we have a joy in our heart a joy that the, the world does not understand how can they pray how can they go to church we got this deadly virus going around the pandemic how are they so worried how are they not worried about it because it doesn't matter we get it we die we're on streets of gold before our body is called amen we don't have to worry God has not given us the spirit of fear but of hope joy and peace right. that's what our God gives us it doesn't matter like I said if they want to go ahead and shut us down shut up uh, do another big old lockdown we'll have church at our house right. and we'll drink coffee and soda afterwards and we'll eat lunch and we'll have a good time in the Lord and our numbers will grow because yeah. people will say hey I want to be a part of that I don't want to be locked up in my house all day every day I need something more and his name is Jesus Amen. the sinner's song is interesting and we sang this song all day every day 
It was the same song, no remixes, no auto-tunes. And we sang it from the day we were born, and we sang it as we marched closer to the grave. The song of sin, the song of bondage. As generations go by, when a people are bound in slavery, and I'm talking about the, the f literal slavery, and as the generations go by, they don't know any difference. There's a, something called the elephant theory. This is when they take a baby elephant and they tie a rope around them. And then they take the rope and they tie it to a stake that's in the ground. As the elephant grows, they don't replace the rope or put a, a, a stronger stake in the ground. Why? Why don't they change the stake at least? Because the elephant does not know that as it grows, it gets stronger, thus it can rip the stake out of the ground. It doesn't know that. Just like a horse. You take the, its bridle and the, the, the rope, whatever, and you see in all the Western movies and shows, all, they don't really tie the horse down. All they do is take it and kind of wrap it around the wood for a second, just kind of over a tree limb. But in that horse's mind, and in that elephant's mind, it doesn't know any difference. It doesn't know that all it needs is to pull away a little bit, and it'll be free. And that's what life and sin is like. We didn't know that we could be free. We knew, we thought that that's how things were supposed to go. That this is how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to act. That it's natural for this to happen and this to happen. It's okay for it to all happen. What's wrong with this sin? What's wrong with that? We thought it was okay because we were born in sin and we did not know any better. Yeah. Just like the elephant. We had no idea that we could break free or we were even in bondage until something came and changed our tune. Yeah. Israel was bound in literal slavery and in spiritual slavery. They knew of God, but they did not know God. No different than the world today. They know of God. All these people that pack all these other churches, they know of God, but they don't know God. Israel needed something to change their tune. They needed a reason to sing a new song. And so did we. Now we know about the account of Moses and how God called unto him from the burning bush. But I want to look at this verse. There in Exodus 27. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. They're singing a song of sorrow. That song of sorrow is loud and can be heard by the very ears of God. When we sing the sinner's song and the song of sorrow, God doesn't just yell from the top of heaven, hey, turn it down. Like some sort of a, a neighbor in an apartment. You play a song. Hey, turn it down. I'm trying to sleep here. That's not what God does. 
When we sing out loud, when people cry out to the Lord, and the Bible says he inclines his ear unto them. That's the song that God wants to hear. Yes, it may be a song that's filthy and full of cursing, but God inclines his ear because it's a song of sorrow, song of help, a desperate cry for help. And God doesn't just say, hey, shut up. Like they did to that one man there in the Bible. They heard He had heard that Jesus had been passing by. And he cried out, Oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, Shut up. Be quiet. But that's not what Jesus did. He stopped and he heard. Yes. He said, Bring that man. And now they want to come and say, Hey, come on up. Jesus wants you. Hurry up. Get over here. They changed their tune real quick, did they not? Amen. They changed their tune real quick. But that's what God does. God, when we cry out to the Lord, He hears us. Yes. He doesn't shut us out. He doesn't call the police to make a noise complaint. All right. Amen. He inclines His ear. God had heard the song of Israel. They're crying. They're suffering. And God hasn't closed up His music shop yet. God hasn't closed up his music shop. He hasn't. He's ready to give us the tools to make a joyful noise. Amen. Now let's fast forward. Israel is on the move towards the Red Sea. God had brought them out of the city limits of, e of Egypt. Do mighty plagues. Amen. By a strong hand. But uncertainty was still in their minds. These were people who knew not how to live outside of oppression. Like I said earlier, they had been in bondage their whole lives. They didn't know anything except for what Egypt had given them and what Egypt had done to them and for them. They didn't know anything else. They, were, they probably did not even step foot out of those city limits. This is a brand new land. They probably, they probably never even seen the sea before. We don't know. But they've probably never even seen such a miraculous sight like the Red Sea. So they were uncertain on what was happening. The old song was still on their lips. It was still stuck in their head. You ever have a song stuck in your head? Oh, yeah. Amen? I like to have the right song stuck in my head if I do sing a song. Exodus 14 and 11. And he said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? See that snarky comment? We could have stayed in Egypt and died, Moses. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Singing this negative song, this song of no hope. And as they were on their way out, Pharaoh and his armies began to chase them, trying to bring them back into bondage. And that's what sin does. Sin does not let people go easily. It doesn't. It follows them. Any hinkling that the person might wind up in church, any attempt of a soul winner to go tell that person about a greater option, a greater thing that they can have, Sin likes to nip at their heels. And then when they do come to church, Satan will lie to them. Will lie. And I've seen Satan even bless people after church. What? What do you mean? Oh, I've seen Satan absolutely open up what we would consider, you know, the world would consider blessings. We don't consider them blessings because we know the motive behind them. People say, Pastor, pray. I, I need a job. I, I need to find work. So we go and we pray. And then they call me up. Hey, Pastor, I got a job. I start Sunday morning. 
I, I can't make it to church anymore, but I got a job. That's not of God. I'm telling you right now, that's not of God. And I've dealt with other people, same situations. God's blessed me with a house or a place to live, but it's all the way far from the church and I won't make it. That's not. But Satan likes to hinder things. And as Israel was free, they were on their way out. That's what happened here. Pharaoh and his armies decided to go chasing after them. Even after all the plagues. Even after the death of the firstborn. After all that, Pharaoh's heart, the Bible says, was hardened again. And he went after them. This man sure did not listen. And that's what sin, sinners are like that. They, they, they overdose. They get locked up. They do all these things. And what do they do? They go back out and do it again. Because they don't know any different. They only have that one song on their lips. Israel was still singing that song of doom and gloom. Moses, why did you lead us out here? It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt than to die in the wilderness. See, in order to stop singing the old song, we have to begin to learn a new song. Amen. But in order for a new song to be created, it has to be inspired by something, right? Songwriters use all sorts of sources to get inspiration for their music. You know, John Denver, we heard of him. He would just look out among those uh, mountains in West Virginia and get an inspiration for his song. We all heard the song. Country road, take me home to West Virginia, blah, blah, blah. But that's where he got the inspiration from, from being in West Virginia. Songwriters get these inspirations from things. So the blues, the blues genre of music is inspired by the lows of life. Oh, this happened to me and that happened to me and I have no way out. That's the blues. That's why they call them the blues. But God was about to teach Israel a new song. God was about to put a new song on their lips. It was a song about deliverance. It was a song about hope. And if they did what was right, it would be a song of freedom. Yeah. Amen. The event unfolds there in uh, 1421 of Exodus. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were all wall unto them. On the right hand and on the left hand. On their left. Israel marched through the Red Sea while God held off the armies of Pharaoh. We were being pursued and we had no way out. Just like them. Israel, uh, Egypt, our Egypt was on its way to take us back into bondage. And we stood there and there was this mighty sea that of our own uh insecurities of our own unbelief but we came to the sea and God moved in our life God showed us a better way God parted those seas that stopped us from freedom God parted those seas that stopped us from receiving his blessings and his mercy and his grace it was that sea that stopped us but God parted it and just like Israel marched on dry ground they like to say in all those Bible science documentaries how they try to explain the Bible. They say that Israel, they crossed the Red Sea during the low tide. But the Bible says that they, they crossed on dry ground. 
Even if it is a low tide, even if the water did subside, it wouldn't have been dry ground. That's just the mighty power of God that he would suck the water up out of the sand. So that as it walked on dry dust and sand, which would be a lot easier for them to get the animals through. But that's what God did. He parted the Red Sea in our life and he put us on the dry ground and we walked through it. And God held off our enemies until we made it to the other side. Amen. We looked for everything to find our way to fill a void in our life. Find something to cling to. Something to hope for. No job can bring us happiness. No relationship can bring us joy. No amount of money can bring us peace. And no hobby can bring us salvation. And as we stood on the shore of our Red Sea following this guy who said, Come with me and let me introduce you to the Savior. We begin to see this way. Like I said, and the Red Sea was open. The sea in our life was split. And there was on the other side a man named Jesus. Jesus was on the other side. All we had to do was go forth. And that's what God told Moses. He said, tell the children of Israel to go forth. Not go backwards. Not go left. Not go right. But go forward. And your salvation will be at the other end. Our salvation was at the other end. His name was Jesus. God made a way through the cross for us to make it to Jesus. Amen. Once Israel was safely across, now God could go ahead and finish off the armies of Pharaoh. Once we made it to the church house, once we made it to the Bible study, the prayer meeting, the servicemen's home, or simply the Somewhere where we knelt down on our knees and called out to God. That's when he was able to deliver us from sin and death. We just had to make it to a place where we could be one-on-one -on -one with God. Like I said, whether it was in the church, whether it was in a service's home, whether it was in your car driving down the road. That day, that moment when you cried unto God and said, enough is enough, Lord. I need something more. That's when God said, okay, now let me handle the rest. Let me do the rest. And God did the rest brethren he absolutely did the rest he parted that sea and all we had to do was walk through it and the Lord said unto Moses stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again unto the upon the Egyptians, upon their chariot, and upon their horsemen. So when they were on the other side, all safe and secure from all along, like we were singing, leaning on the everlasting arms. Once they were in God's everlasting arms on the other side of that Red Sea, God said, Moses, go ahead and stretch forth your hand again, and I'm going to cause those waters to collapse on all the Egyptians that are there Walking on that dry ground that you were just on. The Egyptians, as they're coming through the Red Sea, God caused the waters to come in upon them, and he drowned the entire army of Pharaoh. So, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the Red Sea or came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. No one survived. No one was a good swimmer there. No one, there was no Michael Phelps, the, the Olympic gold swimmer. Every one of them was overthrown. 
Exodus 14 and 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. We overcame belief and made it to the other side of the altar. Jesus had delivered us from sin. He had forgiven us of our past sin. And we are born again. And now we have hope. Now we have peace. Now we have a direction. And most importantly, a God that loves us who sent his son to die for us. So first, in our Bible reading, there they were on the one side of the Red Sea complaining because here comes Pharaoh. They said, Moses, you're leading us to die. But now, our next part of the Bible reading, there in uh, chapter 15, verse 1, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider hath he thrown into the sea. They were now singing a different tune. They were now had a different song on their lips and in their heart. And that song has not ceased to this day. And that song will not cease to eternity. Because there's something here in Revelation chapter 15. That's funny too. Just in Exodus 15. There in Revelation chapter 15. Verse 3. It says, And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. They're just singing this song up in heaven. John seeing the angelic host singing this song up in heaven and the witnesses uh, and all the believers up there singing this song. But I like this part there. In the, well, I like all of it. Uh, chapter, uh, verse 4. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. This was their new song. Verses 3 and 4. This is the song of the born-again believer. The same song of deliverance in Exodus chapter 15 is sung here in Revelation 15. But look what it says here. I like this. This is what I meant to say. There in verse 3, it said, And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, Comma, and the song of the Lamb. The song of the Lamb. Today, we can sing the song of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. The song of the Lamb is the song of Jesus Christ. The one who went to the cross to pay for our sins. The one who can set us free from the bondage of sin. And who has freed us from the bondage of sin are those who have called upon his name. Israel was now singing a different tune on the other side of the sea, and we shall sing a different song and now that our lives have been changed. And if you haven't asked Jesus into your life, if you haven't confessed unto him that he is Lord, believing with a full heart, a true heart, that he is Lord, you can do it today. We can sing a new song today. Not a song of doom and gloom. Not, oh, this happened to me and that happened to me. This happened in my past and I was abused here and neglected here. But you can sing a new song today that says, oh, praise God, I am one of his. 
Praise God for ye hath delivered me. Amen. Praise God for I had fallen and he had picked me back up. Amen. We're singing a new song today. A song of victory. A song of praise. A song of glory. And nothing can take that song from us. If the song just stops being sung, it's because we didn't want to sing it anymore. But I'm going to continue to sing this song because it is a wonderful song. It is a glorious song to praise my God. Amen. It is time to get a different song in our lips and in our heart. It is time to sing praises unto our God for all that he has done and all that he is doing in our lives and all that he will do. It is time to sing a different tune. As we bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to him. Are you ready to start singing a different tune today? You may have been singing a song all week, the blues. Maybe these past couple months, the blues. Worried about COVID, worried about your job, worried about this and worried about that. What's going to happen here or there or anywhere? What's all going to happen? But it doesn't matter because today we can sing a song of victory because Jesus has been victorious. Jesus was crucified to pay for our sins. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And he said, I have all power in heaven and on earth. I have all power. Nothing can stop me. Nothing will prevent me from accomplishing the will of the Father. We are in Jesus' light today. We are just singing the song of Jesus today. And it's a wonderful song. So how about it? Are you ready to sing a new song? Let's find a place to pray. Let's go. Let's sing unto the Lord a song of praise, a song of prayer. Thank you, Lord God, today for this message, Lord. Thank you for a new song on my lips, Lord God. Thank you for a new song in our hearts, Lord God. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Go ahead and begin singing. 